Hello, and welcome back to Reading by Flashlight Season 3. This season's book is going to be 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And the reason for that is because last season we did Daughter of the Deep, which was Rick Riordan's new book, and it was based off of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. And so we got a lot of information about this book in Rick Riordan's book. And so it got me really interested, and I wanted to read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. So that's going to be this season's uh, book. So maybe you were interested in it too after watching a couple of the episodes and just hearing a little bit of information about this book. But that's what we're going to be reading for this season. It's written by Jules Verne, and here's kind of the bio on the back of the book. Professor Aranak sets off in search of a giant sea monster, only to find the monster is really a steel-plated submarine. Captured by the mysterious Captain Nemo, Aranak witnesses the exploration of the Nautilus, the remarkable submarine Nemo had invented. But Aranak comes to learn that Nemo is near insanity and must escape. It's an incredible journey into a mysterious world of excitement and danger. So make sure to tune in every week for a new episode of a couple of chapters of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and I'm going to be trying to make the episodes a little bit shorter than they usually are. They usually range from 15 to 20 minutes, but I'm going to try to make them between 5 and 10. Um, don't know how this one will turn out since it's the first, and I've kind of got this little section going where I talk about the book, but yeah, so I'm going to try to make them a little bit shorter. But without further ado, let's get into Chapter 1, The Mysterious Monster. So, starting in the year 1866, there had been a lot of mysterious events and just strange occurrences that had happened at sea. And ships from various different countries were reporting this enormous black thing that was hundreds of feet long. And it was larger than any creature that was currently known to scientists. And they found out that this thing gave off an eerie glow underwater, and it was spurted columns of water into 100 feet in the air. And so this thing was sighted in July off the coast of Australia, and three days later, it was found in the waters of the Pacific Ocean, which was more than 2,100 miles away. And the next sighting, which was only two weeks later, was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, which was 6,000 miles away. And the reports of this just thing were causing great excitement because this, whatever it was, was traveling thousands of miles in days and it was just taking really short amounts of time to reach these great places. And scientists were arguing like, what, what is this? Is this even an actual creature? Is this possible? And then in 1867, this sea monster sort of became a scientific problem and it also became a real danger because merchant streamers and passenger ships were actually being struck by something. It wasn't a rock, it wasn't a reef, was it the sea monster? And this one ship, which was called the Scotia, was examined in dry dock after it had a collision at sea and the engineers couldn't believe what they were seeing because the hole that was the perfect shape of a triangle had opened up the thickest steel hole. And we're basically introduced at this point who the narrator of this book is, Monsieur Pierre Aranax, is baffled by this and he finds it really weird that he can't figure this out. 
because he considers himself to be an expert on undersea life. And so at some point, he tells himself that he comes to the conclusion that this is some giant narwhal. And as he came up with this conclusion for himself, the United States government had decided to take some steps to get rid of this sea monster. And this very fast warship was outfitted with every known weapon, harpoons, cannons, things to track down and kill the creature. And through Andrew Johnson, Aramax was able to join this expedition that was in search for the narwhal. And so together with his loyal servant, Council, who for 10 years had never left his side, they were going boarding the warship, Abraham Lincoln. So they started their expedition. They followed the coast of Long Island eastward, and by nightfall, they had entered the dark waters of the Atlantic Ocean. So that's the end of chapter one. Also, do narwhals make perfectly shaped triangles in steel plates? I don't think so. Anyway, chapter two is The Hunt Begins. So Commander Farragut, who was the captain of the ship, he was so confident that they would be able to track down and destroy the narwhal. And he had the fastest, the best armed ship in the US Navy, and he had a loyal, enthusiastic crew. But he had something that he considered even better, which was Ned Land, who was the king of Canadian harpooners. And they knew that with Ned, they would be able to find this creature. So by the time they were had been out at sea for three weeks, Ned and Aranax had become good friends, and they talked hours and hours about his whaling adventures, but Ned refused to believe that the giant it was a giant narwhal. He didn't believe that it really existed. And Aaron Max is telling him, like, why can't you just accept the idea of a huge narwhal? Like, after all, you're a guy who knows all about large animals. And he says, it's all right for ordinary people to believe it's such a creature, Professor, but I've hunted and harpooned hundreds of whales. And no matter how powerful they were, neither their tails nor their tusks were strong enough to crack open the steel hull of a ship. A wooden hull, yes, but never steel. And he explains, in order for that to be a narwhal, it would have had to been survived pressure deep underneath because they hadn't found it yet. And it would have had to been made with steel plates eight inches thick. So later on, they eventually rounded the tip of South America and they moved from the Atlantic Ocean into the Pacific and everyone had begun to search the surface of the ocean. And they had their eyes and their telescopes out, but nothing actually happened. And Ned still was the only one who refused to search the ocean, except when it was his turn to actually stand and watch. And he's like, this is all nonsense. We're just wandering around blindly, you know? You say that this creature was last seen in the middle of the Pacific, but that was four or five months ago. And if this creature travels as fast as you guys are saying, it's probably far away by now. And it probably doesn't even exist. And because of that, everyone on board was growing really weary and they wanted to go back home. But Commander Farragut still persuaded his men that they needed to look a couple more days. And he said, three more days. And if during that time the monster didn't appear, he would turn the ship around and go back. And that promise was made on November 2nd. So by November 5th, when the three days had ended and they still had no sight of the monster, the commander kept his promise. And that evening, when they were turning around, they were about 200 miles from the coast of Japan. And Count Seal and Aranax were sitting on the deck. And suddenly, they heard Ned's voice cry out, Ahoy, there it is. And Ned was pointing to this 
glowing oval shaped object that was beneath the seat and it was so bright that even by 400 yards away their eyes were hurting just by looking at it and it's just the way it's positioned they can't tell if it's moving forward if it's moving backwards and then they realize it's heading straight for us so they're like trying to move their ship out of the way before it can get hit and in only a few seconds later they hear ned cry it's coming to the port side and it was a shiny black body that was shaped like a fish and it was just sticking out above the water and they recorded that it had to be at least 250 feet long and its tail was moving so violently it was turning the sea into foam so obviously their natural instinct was to protect themselves so they start firing cannons and the shells are striking the black body but instead of exploding the shells are just basically bouncing off of the creature and splashing into the water and then Aranax leans over the rail and he sees Ned below him and he was just hanging on to a pole with one hand and he had his harpoon raised in the other and the creature's only 20 feet away by now and Ned's arm snaps forward he hears the harpoon sail through the air and hears a ringing noise like it hit something. And then two huge gushes of water shoot up from the monster and wash over the deck of the ship. And there was a horrible crash. And Aranax didn't even think to grab onto anything because he felt himself being thrown over the railing and into the sea. So that is the end of chapters 1 and 2 of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Hope you enjoyed it. Tell me what you guys think. And if you have any other future book recommendations, make sure to leave them in the comments and make sure to come back next week on Thursday for another episode. And also, if I sound bad, that's because I have a stuffy nose and allergy problems and it's my voice sounds really bad. So I don't know if at right now if you can hear that on audio, actually. But just make sure to come back next week for another episode. And thanks for listening.